Hello there, you're about to experience the What's Up Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? What's up, church? What is up, church? It is me again <laughs> doing another message today. I'm hoping all of you are well. I'm hoping all of you are doing fantastic, actually. I hope you're doing better than well. I hope you're doing amazing. Um, yes, we are here today to almost continue. You can almost use this a part two. Of last week, I was talking about Jonah and really just the the amazing part of Jonah that baffled me was like the proximity of the realization of what the Lord was doing in people's lives back then, like the sailors, how quickly they realized what was going on and and acted accordingly, like got to the bottom of it. I thought that was amazing. And how I wish that I was more in like that. But it's the rest of Jonah that I want to talk about today. And not not the rest of it, just Jonah's heart and how his concept of justice and mercy were so skewed that it just it baffles me, but it makes me more frustrated because I can see myself in Jonah a lot. Like Jonah was like Jonah wasn't great. You know, like uh, we 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 realized quickly on that the reason Jonah fleed from the Lord is because he didn't want the Nineveh, like the people of Nineveh to be saved. Like that is the part that we understand. Like the Lord said, go witness to Nineveh, tell them what's going to happen. But Jonah didn't want to go, not because it was an inconvenience, not because of that, because he did not want them to be saved. That perspective is crazy to me. Like, like that you, the Lord's like, hey, I need you to go talk to these people. Like, no, I don't want forgiveness for them. I don't want repentance for them. But that's what happened. So, you know, we know the story. He tries to flee. God corrects that. He gets swallowed by the fish, spit up, go to Nineveh. So he goes to Nineveh and he is doing all that at Nineveh. And he goes and he, and he witnesses to them and they believe him. Like, it's crazy. So like chapter three, verse four, then on the first day walk, Jonah began to go through the city and he called out and said, 40 days more remain and then Nineveh will be overthrown. And so then in verse five, the people of Nineveh believed and trusted in God and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth and, and, and penitent mourning from the greatest even to the least of them. Now, the thing to understand, sorry, you're going to hear my vacuum cleaner in the background is like a jet engine. It's the most unbelievable thing. We have our, our little automatic iRobot vacuum and it's just a monster when it comes to jet engine cleaning itself. So sorry for that, but that is going on. Um, the people of Nineveh didn't repent to God, capital G. They just repented. Like they knew they were in, they didn't know that they were in right standing. Like, oh my gosh. But imagine if you're Jonah. Like you're called to go there. You go there and you start talking and the people believe you. Like they didn't discredit him. They didn't attack him. They didn't rebuke him. They legitimately like thought like, oh my gosh, like, are you serious? Like, are you, are you, oh my, like, 
and they went to their king. And this is in verse six. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he took off, uh, and this is of Jonah's message from God. He rose from his throne, took off his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in the dust in repentance. The king did this from Jonah just randomly showing up and giving him this message. Then this is what's crazy. <laughs> crazy. This is verse seven. He issued a proclamation and it said in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no man, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to ink, eat, or drink water. Verse eight, but both man and animal must be covered with sackcloth and everyone is to call on God earnestly and forcefully that they each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence that is in his hands. What? What? Even the animals? Like even the animals. Can you imagine all the, the herdsmen out there cutting up sackcloth and like putting it around their chickens and their goats and their cows, whatever. Like even them. Like, hey, hey. Jerry, Jerry, get your cows. <laughs> Put your silly cows in sackcloth. Shove her, like shove dust over them. Like how crazy is that? Like even the animals. Like, can you imagine like, like cats and dogs walking around with sackcloth? Like it's so comical to think about, but that's how serious they took this. So no animal had water or food. No person had water or food. Every one from the greatest to the least was covered in sackcloth. I mean, they took this serious. Now, granted, it wasn't directed towards God, but it was directed towards the idea that there was a higher power out there judging them justly and righteously because they knew they were at fault. Like, oh my gosh, our behavior. Now, now, granted, no one really knows how long that lasted because they're, you know, obviously uh, Nineveh was destroyed later on. But that doesn't change the fact that they, when they heard this message of repentance, it evoked a response and a significant response. I mean, imagine you're 120,000 people. That's what they talk about. Like in verse 11, like uh, uh, chapter four, verse 11, they said that Nineveh was 120,000 people. But the crazy thing is, is Jonah's heart posture through all of this. One, Jonah didn't want them saved. And then when he goes through and preaches to them, they respond and that upsets him. Like if you go, we jump to, to, to chapter four, verse one, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? That it was, I, uh, that it was, uh, I can't talk today, so I seriously apologize. That is why I ran to Tarshish, because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster against them. Wow. Therefore now, O Lord, just take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Because you sowed, because you showed kindness and graciousness to these people because you are a loving and merciful God. Kill me because I didn't want them to live. I don't want them to be saved. Kill me. That's like, dude, Jonah is such a, like an emo little, ugh. you know what I mean? He's so silly. And the Lord said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? Like, like that's, that's verse four. Like, why are you mad, bro? Like, why are you mad? that I showed compassion. And understand that like Jonah, like, can we just pause for a second and say, what just happened to Jonah? Jonah was told to go. 
and he fleed. And so the Lord sent a storm and could have taken Jonah's life in that storm, but he didn't. Then he swallowed him by a fish. Jonah should have died in that fish, but he didn't. Some say he did die, but whatever. The point was that God, in his loving mercy, brought him out. And then in his loving mercy, God wanted to use Jonah to save 120,000 lives. You know what I mean? Like how many of us can say we've saved one, two, five, ten, a dozen lives, but 120,000 people saved from our obedience? That was the gift that God was giving Jonah. Like you get to save 120,000 people, but because according to Jonah's eyes, those people weren't worth saving, it made him mad. It made him angry to the point he wanted to die. He would have rather died than save these people. And then he pouted even more, like verse, uh, chapter four, verse five. Then Jonah went out of the city and sat east of it. There he made himself a shelter and sat under its shade so that when he, he could see what happened to the city, like he's just waiting for it to be destroyed. He's such a pouting powderson. He just went outside the city, <laughs> cropped a little seat, sat down, made a little shelter and said, all right, Lord, get him. Destroy him, Lord. That's what I want. Uh, get him, get him. This is what I think is so cool. Like so fun. It's such a funny part of the, of the book. This is verse six. So the Lord God prepared a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to spare him from the discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the protection of the plant. But God, this is verse seven, but God prepared a worm when morning dawned the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. I love that. So when the sun came up, God prepared a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he fainted and he wished he to die. He said, is it better for me to die than to live? And again, a second time, God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? Isn't that amazing? He says that twice. Twice to Jonah, he says, give me, why are you angry? What reason are you angry? You know? And then he finished that. Uh, he said, in this one, it says, do you have a good reason to be angry about the loss of the plant? And Jonah said, I have very good reason to be angry about. I, I have very good reason to be angry, angry enough to die. Like, can you, the pride in that statement telling God, I'm very angry about this plant being gone now. I'm so angry I could die. And the Lord, this is like the, the last two chapters of, of Jonah, verse, chapter four, verses 10 and 11. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on, the Nineveh, on Nineveh, the great city which there are more than 120,000 innocent persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and left hand and are not yet accountable for sin, as well as many blameless animals. So that's the whole point of this conversation. Nineveh, regardless of their ridiculous behavior were innocent because they didn't know any better. According to the Lord, they didn't know any better. They weren't behaving wickedly in, in, in like willing disobedience to the Lord. They are just behaving wickedly. It's like, we get this way in Christians. Like we're so shocked when people of the world who don't know the Lord act like people of the world who don't know the Lord. Like we're always baffled when sinners sin. Like when people who don't have the Holy Spirit act like people who don't have the Holy Spirit. Like it always baffles me. What were you thinking? Oh my gosh, that person who doesn't have intimacy with the Lord is behaving like a total meanie. 
Yes. What was plan B? Like, like what did you think was going to be happening there? Someone who does not operate in the same faith or like that's like, that's how they behave. Why would you expect them to behave like someone who is a Christian? It's such a weird conundrum that Christians expect people to act like Christians. Like, no, which is even why it's worse when people like Jonah, who is someone in faith, is acting like someone who isn't in faith. Like it's his judgment. He wants to see his version of righteousness, his version of justice, like placed on Nineveh. He wants them destroyed. And he's angry to the point of death when it doesn't. And then I thought God gives him a plant for a day and then takes it away just to prove a point again. Like this, you're not in control of this, dude. Like, why are you angry? I saved you from the storm. I saved you from the fish. I've asked you this great thing and I've had compassion and mercy on you the entire way, Jonah. Why are you so blinded to the fact that I'm showing someone else compassion? And you know it is because like the, Jonah admits, because you are, because I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great and loving kindness. When sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster against them. Like, because you're so awesome, Lord, that's why I'm mad. Because I don't want them to get it. I don't want your awesomeness to be extended towards them, only towards me and the things that I think are worthy. And therein lies the great flaw that makes me so mad at Jonah because I recognize me and Jonah. That inclination to like, it's my right, like my form of justice, Lord. Do unto them what I think is right. Don't show mercy or compassion. And we see this a lot in politics. We see this a lot in daily lives. And by that, I see this a lot. Like when we confront people that we disagree with greatly, we're not praying for their compassion and forgiveness and repentance. We're praying for their destruction. That's the brutal part. You know what I mean? Like it's brutal because I know I do it all the time. Like not purposely, but I, I historically, I'm very, 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 very guilty of this sentiment. You know, I'm not, I don't want people who disagree with me more often than not to find grace and compassion in the Lord. I want them to find justice. I want the hammer of the gavel to come down hard on them, you know? And I'm like, so blind to the obvious hypocrisy of how many times I've been shown compassion. How many times I've been guilty of a strong gavel? You know what I mean? Like a real, wow, like, Lord, woo, thank you so much for the grace you've given me. I can't begin to articulate how much the Lord has shown me grace after grace, after grace, after grace, after mercy, after mercy, after compassion. When I was willfully defiant, when I was living in horrific sin, when I was fleeing from all the things he wanted me to do or was putting on my heart, like I was in that place, yet his grace and kindness and compassion was unrelenting. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Then why am I so quick to not offer that to someone else? Why is that not my first thought of like, Lord, you've given me so much grace and compassion. Please give it to them. Please soften their heart, not punish them, but like soften their heart, Lord. Show them mercy, show them compassion because what's the alternative? They're in hell. Like what? 
Like that is, that is what I'm, I'm truly saying. I want them to go to hell. Oh gosh, that sounds horrible when you say it out loud, but that's the, that's the, that's the heart posture. If I'm not praying for their, their salvation, if I'm not praying for their forgiveness and compassion for them, I'm essentially condemning them to hell. I'm wishing hell upon them. I am behaving just like Jonah. Smite them, Lord. Get them according to my understanding of justice. Oh, how brutal does that sound out loud when you say that? I mean, why is God leave Moses, Daniel? It sounds so rough because that is rough. Like, how can I sit there and say that to someone, a child of God, regardless of where they're at, to, to almost want hell, like eternity in hell? Like, like, oh, how could you want that for anyone, anyone, anyone? I don't care who they are. How could you want that for them? And, and that's what's so crazy. The Lord doesn't want that for anyone. The Lord doesn't want that for anyone. He wants to be gracious. He wants to extend his, his favor and mercy and kindness to everyone. But we don't want him to. <laughs> we, want a, we want a very elite guest list of who gets in heaven. We don't want eternity with people we don't like. <laughs> it's so brutal that we do that. I do that. I'm sorry. I, I know I say we, but we, I. They get in, they don't. According to my standard, as if I know anything, as if I have any bearing on this conversation. But why do we, why do, why is that our perspective when it comes to things that we disagree with? You know, like these people of Nineveh were innocent because they didn't know any better. They didn't know any better. According to the Lord, the Lord said they were innocent. They didn't know their right hand from their left. Even the animals were innocent, which makes me. It makes me crazy to think that there are guilty animals out there. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh to think that. Thank the Lord they put some sackcloth on those animals because there were some arrogant, prideful animals out there who were willing defiance against the Lord. Like, isn't that amazing to think there's some like, Jerry, your cows are being jerks. They're being mean again. I don't know, whatever. That's just amazing to me that even the animals were innocent because they were blameless, which, you know, that's just a crazy statement, but I love it. It makes me laugh. The Bible's so fun. But they didn't know any better. And so we, I, will ex like expect people who don't know any better. Like, you know, you expect a child to not behave like a child. Why wouldn't they? They are a child. They don't know. Why would you expect them to know? And the Lord didn't hold them accountable for that which is why the Lord sent Jonah to, to like, imagine you just saved 120,000 people and not being happy and being mad. Imagine evangelist being mad when people found the Lord. Like, can you even fathom that perspective? The Lord sent you into this city and you have the most amazing revival. The entire city comes to repentance, believes you, takes your word for it. Now, granted, it doesn't take you like God, like again, this lowercase g there. So I want to be specific that they weren't, the, the terminology wasn't they like turned to God, like our God, but they did recognize that a repentance, a repentant heart was needed. So like they did act. They had repentance and they had action. Like it wasn't just, oh, we're our bad. No, no, no. 
they acted. They took the steps to get right with whatever they thought they needed to do. And that made Jonah mad. That made Jonah mad. Oh my gosh. Imagine being mad at the Lord's graciousness and kindness and mercies. Like imagine that. But we do that because we don't pray for people by not even asking for the Lord to show grace and mercy and kindness on the people that we disagree with. We are acting in the same way Jonah did. We're not saying it like that. I don't say it like that. I'm not, I don't verbally say, Lord, I'm mad and I'm pouting. I'm going to go sit outside of Las Vegas and wait for his destruction. And I'm using Las Vegas because so you should live there. But like, you know what I mean? Like we don't do that, but we do that in our hearts. We seek judgment of those people before we seek, oh my gosh, this vacuum, Lupita. <laughs> My vacuum is crazy. It is so loud. It's a jet engine and it's always going off in the morning. It makes work time so much better. Anyway, I apologize. I digress. We legit don't, if our first response to people that we have such a, a conflict with is not mercy and grace and forgiveness and repentance and the Lord to move in their life, then we are adopting Jonah's perspective of fire brimstone, judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah, those people, you know what I mean? Like treat them like Sodom and Gomorrah. Get them, Lord. Let's see that holy, righteous judgment according to my standard. You know, it's, it's just a, an unbelievable perspective that we take, I take. I see it when I disagree with someone. And I don't know, man, it just bums me out. It bums me out because I look at Jonah and it makes me mad, not mad, but you know what I mean? I look at Jonah like he's a child. Like, why would you not like revel in the fact that like, thank you, Lord, for using me to save 120,000 people and animals, especially the animals. I'm like, poor dog didn't do anything. Um, I, but his pride, his pride and his anger prevented that. But even God was gracious. Like he was even merciful toward Jonah's pride. In anger, he was still unbelievable towards Jonah, which is how much he loves us. Like even when Jonah, kicking and screaming the entire way, did what he was asked to do, and he was pouting about it, the Lord still showed him mercy and kindness. Thank God he does that for us. Like thank the Lord he does that for us. Because man, I need it. I have not arrived. And my idea of what is right or wrong, according to like the world, you know what I mean? Like applying my sense of justice to things. What do I know of justice outside of the word? What do I know of justice beyond God? You know, like it's his definition, not mine. Like I want to, I, I should be passionately pursuing their salvation, not their sentencing, not their judgment. Man, like to, for one person to spend eternity in hell, like what, what, what do they do to deserve that? Who am I to say their sins was worse than mine? There are so many people of Nineveh in our world today that don't know any better, that are behaving according to what they know, which is they, they're, they're ignorant of the things of God. And we are treating them. I treat them like they should know better. Like, how dare you not know the word? 
How come you haven't read the scriptures? Like, what are we talking about? Why would they have? Then how can I hold them accountable? But I know I know better. And so I know I'll be held accountable. Like, that's the brutal part. Like, I know better than to wish for someone's demise. I know better than to celebrate when I see someone's downfall. Like, when we see something happen to someone, I'm like, yes, good, they got it. Oh, that's a disgusting perspective. I, I'm not saying that they, there isn't a, a, you know, God's justice in certain things, but to celebrate, to revel in someone's downfall, that's not good. That's not good. Is that leading them to the Lord? Is, is that leading them to a relationship with God? Is that showing them what the, what the Holy Spirit looks like in our lives? My life? No, it's not at all. It's not. Yes, I can disagree with you. I can, I can totally think what you're doing is wrong. But if your actions make me act out of my own personal anger and, and, and vengeance towards you, well, then now I'm wrong. If the second I take the Lord's justice in my own hands or want it in my own hands, like that, uh, now I'm wrong. And that's brutal. And that's why I look at Jonah as just like, man, it made me sad because I'm looking at Jonah with this judging eyes. Like, come on, Jonah, get it together. And I'm like, whoa, boy, hold on. Why is Jonah's behavior irking me so much? Oh, because it's my behavior. I've done, I've acted like Jonah so many times. So many times. I've acted like Jonah. And taking upon myself to like be mad at like, oh, how dare you, Lord, save those people. Oh, it's such a crazy perspective. Such a crazy perspective. I don't want to be like Jonah. And so it's, it's hard, especially nowadays, because there's so much unrighteousness we see in the world that it becomes difficult to like keep wanting the best for those people that don't know any better. And man, I got to get better at that. I got to get better at that. Like I have to start just seeking the Lord and inviting the Lord into these situations. Like, all right, Lord, how do I, how do I pray for this? How do I pray for that person? Why am I angry? The Lord asked twice, do you have a good reason to be angry? He asked Jonah that question twice, which I think is such a poignant, it's such a brilliant question that God asked Jonah, why are you mad, bro? Why are you mad? Have I not been gracious to you? Have I not shown you unbelievable loving kindness and mercy? Then why can't I show it to someone else? Why are you mad that I'm, I'm, I'm gracious and loving and kind? Why are you mad? And like, that's what we have to ask. My, like, why am I mad at that person? Why am I mad at that idea? Why am I mad at that? There is righteous indignation. There is that that, 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 that spiritual stuff. Absolutely. But it's not at a person, you know, he was mad at the, the people of Nineveh, not the spirit that was plaguing Nineveh. He was mad at them. And the same thing, I, I can't be mad at a person. I can be mad at the spirit that's, that's plaguing, you know, the weapons of warfare are not carnal. These are spiritual battles. And we have to put that, we have to square that circle accordingly. We have to fight our battles accordingly. But when we take it out on the person, we, we are not doing that well. It's not the person. We know that. We know that. I know that. I know that me being angry at someone who I disagree with is not, that's not right. That's not how the Lord does it. 
That's me being specifically wrong. I'm totally wrong. Be mad at the spirit. Pray for the spirit. Pray for the heart of that person. But man, I fail at this so often. I fall short of this so often where I'll let a person or a personality or whatever, a idea taint that person. I'm like, because you hold an idea, because you are impacted or affected by a concept, whatever that I disagree with, then you and I have a problem, you know, and you're the problem, not the, the spirit plaguing you. And so just really just, I was reading just Jonah and man, that just impacted me of like how I approach things like Jonah and how Jonah makes me so frustrated. <laughs> and immediately why is because I, I can recognize myself in Jonah and that's a bummer. And so I'm working on that. So, you know, this is the happy, uplifting content that you guys are used to around here. <laughs> ah, I, I was listening the other day and like so many times I'm, I'm reading the word and I recognize myself, my flaws, um, spiritual flaws, personality flaws, and a lot of people that I see in the word. And I don't mean that. I, I hope I don't. I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, I don't look at myself as like this negative, negative thing. And I hope I don't come across that way. Like all I read about, it's like just emo. <laughs> so emotionally down. I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. No, but I, I like to be aware of these inclinations. I like to be personally aware of the areas that I know I can fall into. Because he's so awesome that I, I don't want to be an Aiken. I don't want to be a Martha. I, I don't want to be any of those things because it's not what the Lord's called us to. Me too. And I don't want to fall into the trap. So I, I, the reason I call those out because I want to be spiritually aware of my blind spots. I always say that to my friends. Like, I want to know the things I'm not good at. I don't want to walk around and have these massive blind spots in my world, in my faith, that are, that are what they are, blind spots, where I just, I don't realize that I'm doing something wrong. You know, I don't realize that I'm not behaving properly. I don't realize I'm not in alignment with what the Lord has had or called or wants me to do, which is why I'm always looking at these stories from a perspective of where do I play a part in this? Is this, is this speaking to me? What side of it? Is this something that I do or something that I behave in or thoughts that I engage with that I entertain? And so I, I read the Bible from that, that perspective, not because I want to identify that way, but because I want to be aware of it. And being aware of it, verbalizing it for me helps me really understand it. So when I start behaving that way again, I'm like, oh, wait a second. That sounds really familiar to Martha. Ooh, wait a second. That fleshly desire sounds really similar to Aiken. Ooh, wait a second. Am I being Cain right now? You know, am I, am I, you know, have a fork in the road and I'm, I'm being willful disobedient again? I'm anger, frustration, you know, again, like Jonah, am, am, am I, am I seeking my righteousness versus his? And I like being aware of those situations. I like being aware of it. Not that I like celebrate my flaws, but I, I want to be able to be aware of them so I can course correct. Again, I'm analytical. So for me, I, I want to know like, hey man, I have, I have a soft spot when it comes to gluttony. I have a soft spot when it comes to seeking my own fleshly desires of justice. I have a soft spot when it comes to you know, not trusting the Lord to do things in my life. Like these are things that I struggle with, not because, I mean, because, because I struggle with them, you know, like that, this is the stuff I want to be aware of. And these are the things I pray into, I read into like, Lord, like 
your wisdom and discernment. But I, I love how the Lord works in these situations because man, he shows grace and favor. And as much as I don't want to act like Jonah, I want to be aware of it. When I start acting like Jonah, I want the Holy spirit to convict me and be like, Ooh, Ooh, your will or mine, bro, your will or mine. Are you going to celebrate the, the salvation and the mercy and the grace for others that you disagree with? Are you going to be mad at it? Why are you mad, bro? I don't want to be mad at what the Lord is celebrating. I don't want to ever be in disagreement with the Lord is finds joy in the, in the salvation of 120,000 people, the saving of them, not salvation necessarily. But I want to be on that team that celebrates that, that says, thank you, Lord, for even using me to speak to this city, this town, this nation, this person. Why can't I? I want to be in that heart posture. So that was today. You guys, thank you for tolerating my rambling. Uh, love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Diff Mix, you're the best. Thank you as well. Diffmix.com. Go check them out. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. You have been listening to What's Up Church Podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't. <laughs> <laughs>